Flinging waves, fox spear, lock is action, very weird. Captain Pike, Crystal's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Beat your bad left, Edward is an idiot. Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex hat, Q has had enough of that. Beat me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, March 2nd, 2023. Welcome to episode 517 of Trek Talking. It's already March. My God, can you guys believe that? Wow. Pretty amazing. Wow. <laughs> Spring yeah. is right around the corner. It's closer than you think. I know when you look out and you see all that snow out there, but it's it's close. It's close. It's close. It's close. We're going to be uh, springing the clocks ahead shortly, which is great. And uh, spring will be in the air. So we've got a great show planned for you guys tonight. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but Star Trek Picard is back. Um, and it's third and final season, maybe you heard. And tonight we're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard, season three, episode two, Disengage. And for you guys that are wondering, that would be last week's episode. Um, Because we have a lot of international listeners that don't get the episode until Friday, we want to make sure that all of you guys have an opportunity to enjoy the podcast and call us and join in the conversation, which you can easily do by letting your fingers do the walk-in and calling Truck Talking at 646-668-2433 and joining in the fun. So that's why we're talking about disengage instead of 17 seconds, which we will talk about next week. With that out of the way, I'd like to go around and introduce you guys to my awesome, awesome Truck experts. And we'll start off with Paul. No, we won't. No, we will not. We'll start off with Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How are you doing tonight, Eric? You know, I'm doing okay. I'm a little under the weather, so I may sound a little groggier than normal, but generally speaking, things are good. So happy to be here. That is very good to hear. And also hailing from Portland as well, we have our very own David. How are you doing tonight, David? I'm pretty good. Sorry to hear that Eric's under the weather. Over here, though, we've been weathered all over the place. We had hail, lightning storm. Luckily, it's all over now, but whoa, that was surprising. I didn't expect that to happen. You know, it's weird when you have lightning during a snowstorm. It kind of reminds me of Star Trek Fix when they were on Ruapente. Um, You know, it's kind of weird. You don't expect (laughs) that. Those are two things you don't expect together, but I don't know. You guys getting the snow there still? Like we're getting uh, no, here? it's actually mostly melted now. It's clear all over the place. The roads are actually drivable. There's no more slippery slopes anywhere when you're going up and down the hills. But, um, yeah, it's all melted away. The sun's actually shining right now. With the recent thunderstorm and the hail that we had, it was just like 
pouring down rain and lasted for like maybe 15 minutes. It was over. <laughs> wow. And we also have with us our very own Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing all right. I'm trying to remember which day it is. It's Thursday. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I was thinking I said it was Wednesday. He's trying to look we through his weather thing to figure out what the weather was. <laughs> no, I'm trying to figure out what day he had. I think it was Wednesday. We had the same weather you guys are having. Uh, okay. I, I don't know if we had any thunder. Uh, we had rain. I was trying to mix snow in there with it. It's okay. Unusually, Vegas now say, yes, we're ready for spring, too. Yep. We're getting tired of winter. I just supposed it's to be close. this weekend. Spring is close. It's closer than you think. Just hang in there. We can make it. I know we close, can make it. Close like that incoming train? Yeah. Just, just light the end of the stare tunnel. at the light. The train. Like a deer in the headlights. Just stare. 17 it's seconds okay. away. <laughs> yep, it's only 17 seconds away. It's right there. It's right in your face. And I believe we have with us our very own Paul the Wine slash Toy Guy. He's also out in Portland. How you doing tonight, Paul? Nope. We don't have Paul. Do we have Paul? It says we have Paul, but I don't hear Paul. Paul? Yeah, I'm on here, dude. Oh, there he is. Oh, there he is. There he is. He's on my board. He's got to be there because he's on my board. (laughs) I I think I'm trapped. I'm apparently trapped in 1994 someplace uh, or something. I don't know. So what are you going to (laughs) do? But at least you're here. You made it. You're trapped in the Bell Riot. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's just uh, had had some trouble getting through the uh, getting through the uh, gauntlet there. But um, here now on one thing or another, and I'll try to get on a little clear connection via another means at some point later on. So there you go. All right. So guys, we are here, and we're going to be trek talking for the next couple hours. So please give us a call at six four six 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 eight two four three three if you'd like to join in the fun. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard. Disengage, which is episode two of season three. All right. So we always, we like to start off um, the show after we do a go around with the room um, with whatever's going on with our sponsors. And we have two sponsors. Uh, One of our sponsors is AlienCon. AlienCon is back. Join us March 4th through 5th at the Pasadena Convention Center for a weekend of exploration and meet your favorite experts from ancient aliens, the secret of Skidwalker Ranch, the unexplained, and the proof is out there. Tickets at thealiencon.com. And Eric, how can our fans win those tickets and find out all the great information they need to know about AlienCon? Oh, man, it's so easy, Jim. All you got to do is go to trektalking.com. That is our website, trektalking, just like the show, .com. And uh, on that webpage, you'll find all sorts of information. And uh, in addition to all our old episodes and everything, you'll find a way to send us a message. Right in the bottom right-hand corner of our homepage is a little blue microphone. If you click on that microphone, tell us who you are, where you live, and why you like Star Trek, um, we will send you these passes for free to AlienCon. And to me, 
Uh, 15 seconds of recording is way worth these passes. There's going to be some sweet uh, people there at the con. I wish I was on that coast because I would totally go if I was. Yeah, it's quick, it's easy, and it's fun. So please check that out. And one more thing we need to cover real quick before we move on is Trek Long Island. Now, uh, Trek Talk is going to be there. Yours truly, Uncle Jim. I'm going to be doing a podcast panel, and I'm also going to be doing a panel on why Star Trek V is the greatest movie ever made and why Captain Burnham is the best Starfleet captain ever. So you guys don't want to miss that. You want to head out to Trek Long Island so you can join in both of those conversations. It's going to be a lot of fun. But they also have a plethora of Star Trek guests. So let me play for you this awesome, awesome promo, which Eric was good enough to put together for us. Trek Talking would like to invite you to attend Trek Long Island at the Hyatt Regency Long Island Hotel in beautiful Hopog, New York, on May 20th and 21st, 2023. Trek Long Island will have a variety of guests, ranging from the original series to Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, and beyond. Doug Jones, David Ajala, Oded Fayer, Franz Nguyen, Issa Briones, Evan Evagora, Raven Dauda, Sandy Gimple, Tanya Lamani, and Fumsil Satoli are just a few of the guests currently scheduled, with more to come. Enjoy interacting with celebrities at guest panels, or snag a photo op or autograph from your favorite actor. Craving the real stuff? Sit in on science panels with real scientists from NASA and accredited professionals in a variety of scientific fields. Or take in a panel where we discuss how Trek's influence on diversity and inclusion has affected Trek fans and the rest of the real world. Love podcasts? We do too. Meet the people behind the voices from Trek Talking, The Sci-Fi Sisters, Strange New Pod, Women at Warp, Roy's Tie-Dye Sci-Fi Corner, and more. Don't forget to visit the vendor room where you will find exhibitors and authors and where you can pick up an exclusive offering from Mego Toys. Purchase a general admission ticket or upgrade to the Q-Pass, which offers you preferred seating, early access admission to a VIP dinner and show with actress Bonnie Gordon, and more. Trek Long Island is a family-friendly event with many programs and activities, so bring the little tribbles with you. Let's beam Trek back to the East Coast with a bang. Just visit treklongisland.com for updates and to buy your tickets. We will see you out there. Engage. So, Paul, Paul, if, if our fans wanted to find out information on how to get to Trek Long Island, how's the easiest way for them to do it? Well, Jim, I think uh, to echo what Eric said earlier, they'd probably go to trektalking.com. That's, that's where I would go, trektalking.com. And there you will see a banner for Trek Long Island. Just like, when you have an easy one. Yeah, it's fun, it's easy, and you should definitely do it. All right, guys. Uh, we always like to do Star Trek um, fan shout-outs. And in order to do a fan shout-out, you have to be a fan. And how do you become a fan of Trek Talking? Well, you head over to our Facebook page. And, Charles, what's the easiest way to get to our, truck, to our Facebook page? Well, I see both fans. They should already be on our Facebook page. <clears throat> but if not, 
that is searched on Facebook or truck.com, and I'm sure there's a link there that will send them to our Facebook page. That's right. There's a link at trucktalking.com that will take you right to our Facebook page. Once you get there, the very first post you see pinned to the top of the page is Live Long and Prosper, and we're asking you to tell us where you're listening from. So just leave us a quick note, and if you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, that means you will be featured in a future fan shout-out like these awesome fans that we're about to talk about. So, Eric, do you want to get us started with our fan shout-outs for this week? Yeah, I'd love to, Jim. We're going to spin that globe all the way over to Central Europe, to Bavaria, Kiefersfelden. We're saying hello this week to Arno Kramer. Hello, Arno. Thank you for listening to us from Bavaria. That's pretty cool. I don't remember uh, people saying hello from that area of Germany, but maybe they have. I just don't quite remember. So, uh, Arno, thank you so much. Live long and prosper to you. We're also saying hello this week to somebody with a very strange moniker, somebody who calls themselves Spock on Earth. Uh, and they also hail from Portland, Oregon. So maybe that was Spock actually when he was here for Fan Expo a little bit ago. Thank you, Ethan Peck. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> but anyway, Spock on Earth, if you are listening from Portland, we want to say hello and live long and prosper to you. Also saying hello to top fan Denis Shrigali from Croatia. Denis, thank you so much for saying hello to us and for being a top fan, which means you interact a ton with us on our Facebook page, just as does Stuart Turnbull, who is also a top fan, hailing from Yorkshire in the UK. Charles, who would you like to say hello to? Let's come to Jerome Mapp from Idaho. John... Tima, Canada, eh? Wookwasser from North Fort Myers, Florida. And Vince Woodall in Flagstaff, Arizona. Hope you're not in Vincent. David, who's on your list? Yeah, so I'd like to say hello to Thomas Allen Oakley from Michigan, who is now currently living in Monterey, Mexico. Uh, top fan, Brenda Kramer from the Queen, Arkansas, USA. Next on the list is Michael L. Kennedy from Havelock, North Carolina. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, the city's name is Havelock. Looks right to me. All right. Yep. And last uh, top fan is Kevin D. Ram, Ram Kassoon, uh from Old Hickory, Tennessee, with a live long and prosper sign. Paul, who do you want to say hi to? Well, David, it appears that I've got a veritable quadrant of top fans in this week's shout-out. That's right. One, two, three, four of them all in a row all top fans, all ready to receive shout-outs. First of all, we're going to go to Galicia, Spain, and say hello and live long and prosper to Marianne Rodriguez in Galicia. Thanks so much for listening. It is great to have you reach out, Marianne. Thank you. Then uh, a little bit uh, across uh, a couple of borders there, we move over to Rotterdam in the Netherlands to Anja van Rie, who is also a top fan out there in a gorgeous part of Europe. 
Thank you, Anya, for uh, reaching out and saying hello. Then we're saying uh, to Gordon McCullough. Gordon is saying he's uh, beam me up Scotty from Scotland himself. So we've got the, the legit uh, heir to the Dilithium crystals there in Scotland. Uh, Gordon doesn't say where, but uh, it's a funny country, sir. So thanks so much for reaching out to us. And finally, it's kind of a European-flavored theme here this week for me, uh, top fan Joachim Borghorst in Elsenfeld, Germany, is also a fan of the show and of all things track. Jim, let me pass it to you. Well, we want to say kapla to John T. Wolf, who's listening to us in Auckland, New Zealand. Thank you for listening, John. We also want to say live long and prosper to Enrique Waruru, who's in Boston, Massachusetts. We want to say kapla to John Bailey, who's listening to us in uh, Stephen King's home state of Maine. And last, but definitely not least, we want to say kapla and thank you to E.B. Bate, who's listening to us in the capital of Washington, D.C. If you guys would like to have your names featured in the fan shout-out, just head over to our Facebook page and tell us where you're listening from and look for a heart from yours truly, Uncle Jim. All right, guys, now it's time for our Star Trek birthdays. And uh, this is the part of the show where we kind of uh, remember those who are no longer with us, and we also remember some episodes and some characters that we may have forgotten about. But first, we got to hear from Worf. That was not a Klingon song. Okay, we always start out remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we are remembering five members of our Star Trek community who have gone before us. The very first is actor Burt Remsen, uh, who we lost all the way back in 1999. He, of course, played the Bajoran Kubos Oak in Star Trek Next Generation, uh, excuse me, Deep Space Nine, second season episode, The Collaborator. Um, If you have not seen that episode lately, I absolutely recommend that you go back and watch it. He plays a Bajoran who used to work with the Cardassians back in the day. It gets pretty deep and pretty hairy. Uh, Excellent episode. Burt Remsen does an excellent portrayal of that Bajoran. He started his career back in the 1959 uh, movie called Pork Chop Hill, which I feel like I want to go see because that sounds amazing. And in 1964, he actually suffered a broken back on an on-set accident. And for a while, he was unable to act, so he became a casting director. And then later on in the 70s, he would return to acting. Uh, So I think that's kind of cool how he persevered and and just kept doing what he really loved to do, even recovering from a broken back. Uh, He had a recurring role in the 1987 series of Dallas and was in myriad other films throughout the 80s and 90s. So uh, happy birthday and remembrances going out to Burt Remsen, who played Kubis Oak, the Bajoran, uh, in that episode of Deep Space Nine. Happy birthday. Happy birthday as well to Shay Duffin. Uh, Shay was the Irish actor and playwright who played Ned Quint in the Next Generation 7th season episode Sub Rosa, one of those episodes that we, we love to dish on every once in a while. Duffin regularly portrayed barkeeps uh, throughout his career, uh, including the pub keeper in 1997's Titanic 
and the bartender in 2006's The Departed. Um, he's known for a lot of other kind of B and cult movies, including 1993's Leprechaun, which I know Jim loves. <laughs> and, he al- and he also is known for a bunch of his one-man plays. We mentioned that he's a playwright. Well, he a bunch of one-man plays called The Importance of Being Irish in the early 90s, and those were critically acclaimed, and uh, he was well-known for them. So uh, go check out Shade Duffin's uh, film credits, he's got a lot of them. Did a great job in Sub Rosa, despite a sort of mediocre episode. <laughs> Happy birthday, Shay. Happy birthday as well to Lawrence Montaigne, who played Decius in TOS's first season episode of Balance of Terror, and also later played Stan in the second season episode, Amok Time. Uh, had that look of a Romulan, I guess. They used him a couple of times. In the making of Star Trek book by Stephen Whitfield, uh, it was pointed out that if uh, Leonard Nimoy had left the series in the second season, in fact, Lawrence Montaigne was actually slated to replace him as Spock. So uh, good thing uh, Nimoy stuck around, but Montaigne, you know, he's got the look, that's for sure. Uh, he has been in a ton of other stuff. He, the, the cool thing that I really think is neat is that he actually reprised one of his roles. So in 2007, if you haven't seen the fan film Star Trek of Gods and Men, you should probably see that. He actually reprised the role of Stan in that movie. So I thought that was kind of cool that he brought that back. He also portrayed Cat, uh, Commander Valar in the pilot episode of the audio series Star Trek The Continuing Mission. Uh, Lawrence was a Marine, an actor, a dancer, actually started his career as a dancer and eventually went into acting. Uh, And we just lost him back in 2017, so not that long ago at the ripe old age of 86. Happy birthday to Lawrence Montaigne. Happy birthday as well to William Dennis Hunt, who played the Kingon Haraga in the Deep Space Nine fourth season episode, The Way of the Warrior we all love that episode. That's such a great episode. Um, Klingon Haraga is one of those gray-haired uh, Klingons that we see. Lots and lots of TV credits. We're talking L.A. Law, Wings, Babylon 5, uh, Frasier, Alias, a uh, couple other ones. Actually had a recurring role as Judge Edgar Burns on NYPD Blue for a number of years. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes you dig into uh, some interesting facts about some of these uh, actors. So the first film role that William Dennis Hunt had was as Emperor Wang in the perverted adult Flash Gordon spoof, Flesh Gordon, from 1974. (laughs) He later appeared in the sequel, Flesh Gordon Meets the Cosmic Cheerleaders, 15 years later. William Dennis Hunt, I'm sure you had some interesting stories to tell. Uh, Just lost you back in 2020 at the age of 76. Thank you so much for your portrayal of Klingon Haraga in Deep Space Nine. Happy birthday. And our last remembrance goes out to Joy Garrett. Joy Garrett, of course, played Annie in that Next Generation six-season episode, A Fistful of Datas, the uh, madam of the uh, establishment, so to speak. Uh, Joy was known for soap operas, mostly. Uh, She was on Days of Our Lives from 87 to 93, actually winning the Soap Opera Digest Award in the category of Outstanding Actress in a Supporting Role. And between 83 and 85, she portrayed Bootsy Austin in the daytime soap opera The Young and the Restless. A couple other parts here and there, mostly guest starring on television uh, back in the day. I like that she actually showed up in an episode of The Incredible Hulk. That's right, 
the one from Bill Bixby's way, like way back, that old 70s Incredible Hulk show. She was on that. So Joy Garrett would have had a birthday this week on March 2nd. Today, in fact, would have been her birthday. Happy birthday, Joy Garrett. And Charles, that does it for our remembrances. So uh, I'm going to pass that birthday candle right over to you and see what you have to say. Well, I'm going to tag right off of your last remembrance. And wish you happy birthday to John Piper Ferguson, Australian Canadian actor who played L.A. Holla, Hollander in TNG's season episode, A Fistful Day. Same so episode. Both of them had birthdays. Yep. Same episode. Same episode. Uh, same exact episode. Uh, also known for a a few episodes where he appeared in the reboot of Battlestar Galactica to get blood and chrome. So appeared in three Jim's favorite uh, three episodes of one of Jim's favorite TV shows, X Files. George Agar was a Native American who played the Lacasa in TNG's Journey's End. Jed Major appeared as Tabar in voice episodes Nothing Human and Repression. Karen Robinson played the trill leader Pav in Discovery's third season episode Forget Me Not and That Hope Is You Part 2 was a reoccurring character in Schitt's Creek. Never got a series. That, do any of you guys watch, have you watched Schitt's Creek when it was on? I did not. Nope. Sorry. No, I know Paul did. <laughs> no, not my thing, man. I watch very little, uh, very little television. Well, uh, it was a Showtime series. And, uh, it was funny. It was really, really, really funny. And she's in it. So, eh, that's it. I was going to talk oh, a little right. bit about it, but if nobody has seen it, <laughs> yeah, no yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Jim. <laughs> Madeline Wise played Yvette Picard in the second season of Star Trek Picard. We've got three big ones. Chase Matcheson played Lita. 17 episodes of Earth Direct D Space Nine appeared unbelievable along with fellow DS9 co actors Ed Eisenberg and Mac. Max. I can't remember now. It's last Grodencheck. Name. Yeah, Grodencheck. Grodencheck. She, uh, she was part of the popular comics comic sketch, Brangy Family Hour, that frequented the Star Trek conventions. She is also very well known for, if you look at the shirts of actors, conventions, and you see a Be Kind shirt, that came from her table. She's part of the coalition to fight bullying. Yep. We also had her on the show one time promoting Unbelievable. 
Yeah, and and promoting her uh, her Be Kind organization there. She was an absolute delight to have on the show. She was so friendly and just open with her stories and stuff. I wish we had handy whatever episode that was. I don't know if they can find it if they search by actor, not on our website. But if you can find that episode, it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, she was awesome. Did we get a chance to see her convention? She's also a great convention. And she usually stay at table most of the weekend. Oh, another person who showed up on our show, Tracy Lee Coco. Worked on Star Trek Next Generation, 62 Star Trek D-Spec 9, 6 episodes. And Star Trek Voyager, 6 episodes. She was mostly visible to a regular background character in Next Generation between the first and seven seasons. She appeared in Next Generation films, Generations, Star Trek First Contact, and Star Trek Insurrection. I'm sure Jim and Eric can talk a little bit about her. They've also met her in person. Oh, man. Yeah. You want to talk about... You want to talk about open actresses, right, Jim? You want to talk about people who just, like, walk up to you and give you a hug without even thinking about it. I think of Tracy Lee Coco when I think of that. Yeah, I posted a picture on our Facebook page of, of Eric and myself with her at Tricotaroga. And guess what she's holding? Guess what she's doing? She's wielding she's, the batlet. She's got my batlet <laughs> in her hand. And I got the picture to prove it that Tracy Lee Coco had her hands firmly grasped around my ballot. So, and the picture's there to prove it. So, and And Eric's there to witness it. It's true. And, you know, she's just one of those actors. I think, uh, you know, all of us who are super deep into this stuff all the time really take it for granted that we know who she is. But, you know, if you're sort of a newer Trek fan or you just kind of know Next Generation a little bit, I mean, she was literally on the bridge all the time. Lieutenant J, she's got the yellow top, the ops top, She's got the hair that is, like, piled on top of your head and looks very cool, very, like, late 80s. Um, and she's just always there. And you're kind of like, oh, how, how, do I, how did I not notice that she was always there before you know who she is? And then once you know who she is, you're like, oh, man, she's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> because you're used to, using, used to data being in that scene. Yeah, when that's right. See, nobody else is there. Lieutenant J comes in. Yep, Lieutenant J. And then my biggest surprise Jim actually gave me was a very big happy birthday to Gates McFadden, who Beverly Crusher, MD, in 154 episodes of TNG and four Star Trek films, directed seven season episode of Genesis. And figured yep. out the dance team days day. And now is reprising her role in Star Trek Picard season three. Yeah, yeah she, is some, she is something else. I just got to see her at Fan Expo Portland here. She did a fantastic panel with Brent Spiner and Jonathan Frakes where they were just, you know, answering questions and dishing on stuff. And I love her for so many reasons, mostly because when you um, – when you engage her in a question or when she engages a fan in a question, she's very thoughtful about it. Like not only does she appreciate the fans question, but she, um, she will like pause before she answers to ensure that she's giving an answer that, uh, 
is really the answer she means to give. You know, she's just so thoughtful. Um, and I love her, her, I mean, I love her politics as well, which I, you know, could be argued yep. some people might not, but I think she's got some pretty cool politics. Well, and she'll, one she'll thing, say what's on her mind. She will yep. absolutely say what's, what's on her mind. And one thing that I didn't know really before I saw her on this panel was that apparently she always wanted to direct more episodes of Next Generation. And there are various um, male-shaped barriers that got in her way along the way. So she really had aspirations to be more of a director than, than she has been able to be. I always hoped that maybe one day she would get into it in the future. I'm not sure if we'll ever get a, a uh, Gates McFadden-directed episode of Star Trek again, but missed opportunity as far as I'm concerned because I think she would have been fantastic. Yep. And uh, speaking of uh, male barriers, she was never allowed to, to really be more than a mother figure on TNG. And I actually talked with Wesley Hoffman about this uh, just last week, matter of fact. Um, when she was on Picard, episode one, where she got to actually be an action hero, she wasn't allowed to do stuff like that on TNG. And that's part of the reason why she came back to Picard is that she got a chance to do those things that women couldn't do in the 80s. I'm just so, so happy that, that awesome. that's been updated, Jim, because you know that that was a that was a huge problem, and that actually the the inverse of that problem is why people hated Pulaski too, right? Because um, Pulaski came on and she wasn't the mom; she was the like <laughs> laying down the law, grumpy woman, and people from the '80s couldn't handle like a grumpy woman as their doctor. They could handle Bones for some reason, but they couldn't handle Pulaski. <laughs> Yeah, it was. So, it's, it's interesting how things changed from the '80s to today versus from the '60s to the '80s. Yeah, you know? totally. I mean, uh, Leslie. When Leslie Hoffman saw that first episode of Picard, uh, she immediately called me up and she started telling me how when she was on Star Trek, you know, a lot of the female leads would always complain that that they weren't allowed to do these things. Their characters just couldn't do them. And Leslie, Leslie was there for all of that. And uh, when she saw Beverly getting to do that, she called me. She was so excited that finally the female characters can do stuff now. So that's, that's a little bit of a change from the 80s. Thank you, Michael Burnham, for paving the new way. Well, that's pretty cool, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yep. I just hope that they can have her do more stuff to show that she's uh, an active character other than shooting right. people. Right, multidimensional. Yeah, that's you know that, yeah. that's not exactly a uh, uh, testimony to you know empowerment and feminism. It's like, oh, we're going to give you a rifle, let you do the killing. Yeah, I mean that's that's a giant step backwards from where we would be wanting to go. So my two cents but, on that. But if it builds, but if it builds complexity for the character, that's a good thing. Like if they follow up with it, I think is what you're saying, right? Don't just make it about that. Make it about actually being yeah. right for the character. Just in general, those are, those are some of my. You know, a, a constant plea to Star Trek is you're better than that. Don't resort to gunplay as often as you feel you need to. It's really playing to the cheap sheets, the cheap seats, and I, the, we don't need it. I mean, every now and then, sure, you need a little phaser action, sure. But but a giant sustained gun battle with, like, the, the degree that we keep seeing happening, you know, that's that's not that's not what I want to see from Dr. Crusher, for sure. 
That's so interesting, Paul. I, I, I mean, I don't want to get into this rabbit hole too much, but I would completely agree with you. Yeah. I'm just thinking about it in terms of, like, I've been watching a lot of Doctor Who lately and trying to make my way through Doctor Who, and Doctor Who's whole thing is no guns, right? And he gets it yeah. done by being clever and by knowing stuff and by not needing guns to do it. So is it an American culture thing that has brought so much guns into Star Trek? Whereas, I mean, there were always phasers and stuff, but not like five-minute-long shootouts, unless it was a big space battle. I, I think so. I, I think we could really go down the rabbit hole, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah I probably. Think it's just, yeah. I think a lot of it is just, the, you know, very much science fiction has one boot in the Western genre, historically, in America. And I think, you know, the tropes of the Western fuel a lot of American science fiction. And then uh, we are, you know, sci-fi is written by a lot of people who are big gamers, right? And a lot of yeah. gaming involves first-person shooter games, and it becomes this reflex to write a, a gun scene mm-hmm. in there. And I'm always respectful of the science fiction that doesn't need to do that. Mm-hmm. And I always like to picture Picard and company on the Enterprise as being way smarter than the average bear and the need to have to like, you know, that, that's the measure of last resort. It's like, you know, to have to get involved in that. So I'm really hoping, you know, it's, it's great that Gates McFadden got to do an action scene, but don't feel too empowered by that as McFadden. It's like you haven't, you know, let's, let's see you, you know, really do something that makes people admire you for your brain and for what you're able to do as far as a human being, not pulling a trigger. Well, I think that as a female character herself, she she's you know she's bound to do that because she was not permitted being a female to do that in the '80s. So now now she can. So and when you have aliens, when you have squid faced aliens coming on your ship to kill you, um, you know you're gonna fight back. So I think it depends no, I don't on the situation. That, dude. Obviously, I just hope our writers give us something better. Uh-huh. That's what I'm saying, right? It's not Gates' fault. She's just playing the, sure you know, kind of the two-dimensional scene that we, she was given, you know. But uh, but we're getting down the rabbit hole here. I just, you know, I don't like to equate, you know, gun scenes with uh, with empowerment. So, you know, holding out hope because I'm really massive, massive fan of Gates <laughs> McFadden. I'm re- re- just crashing into Charles's segment here like there's no tomorrow. But, but she always does like okay. character and ethics and integrity and heart and compassion and empathy. I mean, that is, that is Dr. Crusher, right? I mean, she's like the, you know, the moral glue of the show, right? And, uh, and I, I hope they aren't going there a couple of, when we talk about the show later on, we can talk about that. But, like, there's a couple lines of dialogue, like, oh, people change over however many years it's been that, you know, have been let fly. Like, suddenly she's changed and become some kind of pirate smuggler. I, don't, I hope they haven't done anything too wacky with her character because, you know, she represents a classier, sophisticated aspect of Star Trek. So I just hope she's, you know... Yeah, yeah I don't well, want to... Let's get back on we'll the road talk here. about it. <laughs> Sorry, friend. We'll talk about okay. Well, uh, by the way, uh, Paul, how, who's on your list? Just drive right in here. We got all kinds of folks who are. This is an interesting time of the year to have birthdays, right? You're uh, between months from February to March. Uh, spring is sort of over the horizon. We're almost there. We can do it. We just have to hunker down through a little bit more winter, friends, and we'll get there. So I'd like to extend happy birthday greetings to British actress Jamila Alia Jamil. 
uh, actress and activist who is actually voicing a really interesting character on Star Trek Prodigy, Asensia. <laughs> That's a character I don't think that we've seen the last of yet. I, I would not be at all surprised the uh, Asensia back in some kind of new incarnation in the future. Um, made a great, uh, initially not what we expected the character to be at all. <laughs> oh, what a nice, likable Starfleet officer. He's so kind. <laughs> it turned out to be rather different. So, well done, uh, Ms. Jamil, and uh, thanks for being part of the Star Trek universe. I hope we get to see more of you soon. Um, here's, here's a huge favorite. I, I somehow doubt this actress is having a hard time partying. I think I expect this actress was partying really hard for her birthday because it's Tawny Newsom, a musician and comedian who uh, embodies the voice of Beckett Mariner on Lower Decks. Maybe that's just her character is the hard party <laughs> Beckett Mariner, but uh, it seems to come very naturally in her performance. So my guess is uh, she's closed down more than a few uh, 10 forwards last week or so. So, because you deserve it, my friend. Uh, you've definitely injected a lot of uh, vitality and energy and laughter into the Star Trek universe. Um, I was definitely a late adopter for Lower Decks, but uh, part of the strength of that show is, is Tawny Newsom and what she brings to it. So uh, she's basically keeping that show rolling and, uh, and doing it beautifully. So well done. Happy birthday, Tawny Newsom. Deep Space Nine for a minute. And uh, this is, again, in the... Is this an episode that you just referenced a couple of seconds ago? I want to say it is, Eric, when you were talking yeah. about the collaborator. Um, yeah, just moments ago, uh, Eric referenced a member of the cast in that particular Deep Space Nine episode. And now we're going to have another happy birthday greeting to Charles Parks, who portrayed Bajoran Eblon in that uh, second season Deep Space Nine episode, The Collaborator. You get so much good, juicy stuff between the uh, Bajorans and the Cardassians and all that conspiracy stuff and Boy, moral gray area like there's no tomorrow. Um, you can't watch Deep Space Nine. A lot of really uh, insightful lessons about our current life in the United States or in the world today. By it's uh, very informative. Um, there's a, the writing is really about something uh, on that show. Uh, really, really, uh, it, it just gets right. It's like a good. I'm going to use my uh, my shameless wine guy uh, persona. <laughs> It's like a great bottle of wine, Deep Space Nine is, right? It just gets better with age, truly. It's just uh, really, really wonderful. Happy birthday goes out also to uh, actor Graham Parker, who played Lieutenant Deaver or in the Star Trek Strange New Worlds first season episode, Spock Amok. Remember if Lieutenant Deaver lives or dies? I suspect they live. We haven't really fallen into a whole lot of red shirt action on Strange New Worlds especially in that episode. So perhaps we'll see Lieutenant Beaver again. Greetings go on also to Douglas H. Rowe, Gen actor who appeared as Devin in the second season episode, The Outrageous Okona. I'm very excited to wish a happy birthday to actress Alice Rawlings, who played Jamie Finney in a favorite first season original series episode, Court Martial. Really, really cool. It's like, oh, you murdered my dad. I hate you, Jim Kirk. Oh, hi, Jim. I'm sorry I lost my temper. It has nothing to do with the fact that my dad's really alive. So, pretty fun. I wouldn't be at all surprised, and because they do seem to like the mine, the original series, uh, well, uh, on Strange New World, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we don't end up seeing her uh, father, 
character Ben Singh mm-hmm. on Strange New Worlds at some point. Can anyone tell me what Ben Finney's title was? What was his, his job? He was a library kind of officer. Was he? Yeah. He Sorry, Jim, but thanks for playing. Thinking about, yeah, I don't uh, you're thinking about the attorney. You're thinking about uh, Samuel D. Cogswell, the attorney at law. Oh, ben Finney oh was right, right. You're right. Pod. And he was in the pod because he was the pod person? Officer. He was the records wow. officer. That was his job. Yeah, uh, yeah. records uh, officer. It was the man I had to go in the pod when there was an ion storm. So uh, interesting character, um, a little high strung. I'm like, dude, how did you get? <laughs> you just seem like if you uh, flinch wrong, he would like fly out the handle. Ben saying. So we'll see. But uh, great character. I'd love to see him again. Uh, reembodied uh, in, give a new life in a uh, new episode. Moving on, a couple more fabulous folks to wish birthdays to. Uh, happy birthdays to go out to Zambian-Canadian actress Makambe Simamba, who played the adult version of Rukia, Star Trek Strange in the World's first season episode, The Elysian Kingdom. I think we all know which episode that was. But uh, absolutely great. Perhaps we'll see you again. You never know. There's a lot of time travel shenanigans going on, especially with that character. Uh, there, um, Dr. Mumbega's daughter. So where we leave that, I don't know. I'm not going to theorize on that stuff, but striking uh, performance. And finally, actress like Eve, who would have to call original series royalty, I would say, would have to be uh, an actress who still I see all the time on social media and at Star Trek events, the great Barbara Luna, who played uh, Lieutenant Marlena Moreau, and her mirror universe counterpart in the original series Star Trek episode, the second season, Mirror, Mirror. Uh, absolutely great. Yes, I will freely admit, I know I have a Marlena Moreau action figure in my collection. <laughs> Does she have the hair? I'm not like that piled up hair? Oh, she's got, the, she's got the, the big 60s, you know, massive curvy hair. Absolutely. Nice. I'm not letting go of that figure. Um, but yeah, she's she's phenomenal. Absolutely a delight, striking uh, persona on screen. Um, one of those actresses that you just saw in a number of great series uh, through the period there. But uh, uh, I think she's got a huge uh, love of Star Trek because I see her uh, online a lot of different conventions and different gatherings and uh, Keeping up the uh, the familia with the folks like Doug Drexler and whatnot, uh, who are super involved and perennial members of the Star Trek family. So uh, wish you a long, happy, healthy life, Miss Luna. And again, all of us who are Star Trek fans, uh, we adore you. So thank you for uh, everything you've done. And I will turn it over to Uncle Jim. Well, I have a plethora of heavy hitters in my birthday list, but first, I want to get back to Barbara Luna. I've never had a chance to meet her, but just take a wild guess at what convention she's going to be appearing at that I happen to be going to. Alien Con. That wacky Long Island event. That that wacky Long Island thing. That's right. She's going to be there. Because you know what's great so about that? You, that? Everybody talks a certain way, Jim. They all talk it's weird out there, right? Every, that, come on. That's everybody. Right. The whole, everybody. You can go back to get by the car right. and then you have to get online for that convention. So uh, she's going to be there and I'm kind of psyched about meeting her. I've never, I never have met her through all the decades I've been going to conventions. So I'm really kind of excited 
to meet her, actually. So that's really, she really on, neat. Man. She was on One Life to Live for about 100 and I don't even know how many episodes. And she was on that soap uh, for a long time. Uh, really amazing. Um, a famous picture uh, with Vivian Lee called uh, Ship of Fools. Uh, that Stanley Kramer directed, uh, Jose Ferrer was in it. She's been around. She's really like, you know, kind of a, a bit of a Hollywood legend, uh, but particularly in the 60s. She was just one of those faces of the 60s, man. So she's got stories, right? Um, uh, you know, she's done musicals. She was in The King and I, you know, uh, you know, she's got an incredible background. She's Italian, Spanish, Portuguese. I mean, amazing. You're just never going to find another Barbara Luna, you know, ever. What, I hope you get to meet her, and uh, she's a, she is a legend, truly. You know what? I'm I'm going to talk to her and see if she would be willing to come on the podcast and chat with us. That's my goal. Oh, God, that would be so oh. great. The stories we oh. could get out of her. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's. I'm going to. I'm going to give her a card, and I'm going to hit her up. I'm going to lay it on thick, and I'm going to see about getting her to talk with us on the podcast. That's my goal. So hopefully, well, I can. You were that. talking also. Were you talking like you're trying to get a hold of Drexler recently too? Yes, yes, that is still in the works as well. Because they're 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 like really good friends. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I've seen like follow Doug Drexler on social, and I think they have dinner together with a bunch of people, and they're kind of pals, right? So if it was easier for them, man, get them both on at the same time and just let them talk. Can you imagine what a show that would be? It was just like just, I've got I'm dying just imagining. I've got pokers and fighters all over the place, and you guys are the first ones to know when any of them heat up. So, but. I'm going to talk to her. to talk, man. We'd get great info. Yeah. I'm going to specifically talk to her, though, when I go down to Long Island. So let's see what happens with that. All right, guys. So back to our birthday. You know, the first birthday that I have on my list. I always save the Klingons for last, by the way. And I've got some good Klingons here. But before we get to the Klingons, we've we've got to go through some Federation people first. I apologize. But this first one. Man, is he awesome. When I saw him, and these guys can tell you, when I saw him on season two of Discovery, that was it for me. I was like, this is the man. You know, when he came on after Lorica turned out to be an evil clone of himself, and he came on, whipped the crew into shape, I was like, wow, this is how a Starfleet captain should be. This is the guy. And, um, wow, I just I fell in love with Anson Mount right away. And, of course, he portrays Captain Christopher Pike on Star Trek Discovery Season 2. He also appeared in two episodes of Short Treks. And, if you're not aware of it, he also stars as Captain Pike on Star Trek <coughs> Worlds. And, man, I have never met the guy in person yet, but um, I'm looking forward to it. I think he's awesome, and I really like the way they're writing him and the way he, he's, you know... He captains his crew. So happy birthday to Anson Mount. All right. The next birthday I want to send out goes to uh, actually somebody that I remember more, not from Star Trek, but from Sea uh, Trek, actually. Uh, she starred on Sequest DSV with Roy Scheider. And to me, that was like, uh, like the Star Trek of the ocean because I could easily see Roy and his crew of the Sequest being on a starship on Star Trek. That's how I looked at that show. It was that well-written. 
And, of course, on Sequest, uh, she played Dr. Kristen Westphalen, who at the time had a uh, kind of a thing for, uh, for the captain, just kind of like Picard and, and Crusher do. But we're not talking about her or Sequest. Oh, no. We're talking about her because she played Countess Regina Bartholomew in the TNG six-season episode, Ship in a Bottle. Why is that relevant? Because Moriarty is going to be back in season three of Picard, and she happened to be Moriarty's uh, girlfriend, wife, acquaintance. I don't know what her exact title was, but uh, she was involved with Moriarty in that episode. So happy birthday to Stephanie Beecham. We also want to say happy birthday to Harvey Jason, who played the role of Felix Leach in the Star Trek The Next Generation first season episode, The Big Goodbye. And he's the guy that looked like the Leach, actually. He held the little gun. He was like the sniveling little weasel. If I remember correctly, he shoots Captain Picard's partner buddy there, whose name escapes me right now, when they were on the holodeck and uh, tried to walk out of the holodeck and escape, and he evaporated. Uh, that was him. And uh, uh, Block, Cyrus Red Block, I think was the was the main bad guy's name. That sounds about right, yeah. I, it's, I yeah. keep digging back. I, I don't keep details like that in my head very well. <laughs> That's correct. I think, I think it was Cyrus Red Block. See, I may be yeah. old, but my memory's still there when it comes to Star Trek. So happy birthday. Tierney, man. The great Lawrence Tierney. And... Uh, Speaking of strange new worlds and another legend, uh, we want to say happy birthday to Ethan Gregory Peck. That's right, uh, Ethan Peck, who played Spock in the second season of Star Trek Discovery along with Captain Pike. He also appeared in two episodes of Short Treks, and, of course, he plays Mr. Spock on Strange New Worlds. I had an opportunity to meet him at Treconderoga, uh, pre pre-COVID, and man, oh man, was he cool. He was the coolest, coolest dude. Uh, he talked to me and my daughter. He shook our hands. He was telling us, you know, all about the beard and the whole nine yards and how he really wanted to uphold the mantle of Spock and, and Guy. And by the way, by the way, uh, he's the grandson of, the, of some other famous guy, Paul. Who, who is his grandfather? Some other Guy. You're talking about uh, the legendary Gregory Peck, of course. That's right. So that's <laughs> that is pretty cool. And the gunfighter. That's awesome. So, so uh, basically, Jim, you're saying that he's the coolest Spock on the block. That's right. He's he's <laughs> he's the coolest Spock on the block. He's rocking it. I will and that, I will say that I saw another panel with him and Anson Mouth at. Uh, Fan Expo Portland, and Anson Mount was a little flat to start out with, but Ethan Peck was like right on it the whole time. It was it was as if he had just started playing Spock for the first time this many years into it. He was so excited to talk about it, so excited to answer people's questions, so excited to tell stories about what it was like to take up that mantle of Spock, like you were saying. So. I just, like, he was an absolute delight to see in person. I didn't get to meet him, but I got to see him talk. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, he stole the show. Um, it was great. Well, you know you know where our table was at Truck Conoroga, Eric? Oh, yeah. He, he was sitting at a table 
like that would have been across on the other side of where ours was mm-hmm. and that in that same gymnasium and he was just sitting there talking to fans and you know how it's at the high school he was just walking around in the hallways talking to people it was the coolest thing you're yeah, walking down really the hallway cool. and there's ethan peck and he just kind of stops and leans against the locker talks to you and then goes about his way um, and it, it's so relaxed and so small, you know, and personable that you actually get a chance to really talk to them. And he was eating it up. He was just walking around, talking to fans and stuff. It was it was awesome. And he was awesome. So happy birthday, Ethan Peck. And now we get to some Klingons called blah, some hearty Klingons, some awesome Klingons, some Klingons you don't want to mess around with because they know how to handle a bat lift. And uh, we want to start off with our first Klingon, James Sloan, who actually, um, the the, the character I think that he's more well-known for was not a Klingon, but he played Admiral Jarek in the TNG episode, The Defector. You guys remember that one? Oh, yeah, that's a great episode. That that is an awesome episode, and uh, that's the one where Captain Picard calls the Klingons for help, and the three Klingons decloak behind the Romulans. They're like, today is a good day to die. Excellent, excellent episode. But we're not remembering James for that role. Oh, no, 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 no. Absolutely not. He actually played a member of Worf's family in the episode Firstborn. He played Kim, well, the name he made up for himself was Kim Tar. But actually who he was, who was he actually, Eric? Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, I was paused there. <laughs> oh. Excuse me. Um, Kim Tar was actually, uh, uh, you mean, I don't know. I'm not sure which. Oh. oh, he was, you mean that he was, um, he was actually Alexander, if I remember right, wasn't he? That's right. Like he was, was Alexander yeah. from yeah. the future. and. Worf died in his arms on the floor of the Senate, and, and he came back in time to convince his younger self that you need to be a warrior so that your father doesn't die. And so Kim Tar was actually Alexander from the future. So happy birthday to James Sloan. Uh, speaking, speaking of Klingons, of course, we have another great Klingon. We want to say happy birthday to J.T. Poem, who played Toral. And the next generation episodes, Redemption and Redemption Part Two, and uh, Gowron gives his life to Worf, and Worf spares him. Something that Worf probably wishes he didn't do, because Toro comes back later on and is a real thorn in Worf's side. And uh, you'll have to go and look it up yourself to find out what happens there. But Worf goes in search of the Sword of Kaelas. And, uh, yeah, Torrell shows up. So, happy birthday to J.T. Cullum. We also want to say kapla to the tallest Klingon ever in Star Trek history. Formal professional basketball player James Worthy appeared in the TNG 7th season episode Gambit Part 2 as Corral, and he stood over 6 feet 9 inches tall. And you want to see a funny picture, uh, do a search, and you'll see a picture of him stepping off the shuttle in the shuttle bay up to Worf. And Worf is like, 
up to his shoulder. This guy is towering. I could just imagine him wielding a bat with. It would be off with their head. And, uh, oh, my God. His reach would be like seven and a half feet. I mean, you just like. <laughs> yes, he would be. I would want to battle him. With a yeah, and his Klingon weapons would be bigger than the normal ones, too. Can you imagine having to go against something that heavy? No, I, I can't. So, kapla <laughs> to James Worthy. And the last one on my list, we want to say happy birthday and kapla to Michelle C. Bonilla, who played Buka in Star Trek The Next Gen or Star Trek Enterprises, first season episode, Sleeping Dogs. Now, this is an episode that a lot of people overlook Enterprise, but there are, there are quite a few episodes of Enterprise that I think are really, really good. And, of course, being the Klingon friend that I am, this is one of them. This is one of the episodes where there's a, a Klingon ship, a Raptor class, by the way, which is a, it's always great when we see a ship other than a bird of prey floating which in the Which almost never cloud. happens. <laughs> which is which never right. And it's sinking in a gas cloud and of course the crew beams over, they find the survivor, beam her out, and this is the first time that we hear Klingon and it's a great episode because Hoshi is trying to uh, you know, translate and she's saying like, You have stinky feet. Um, your mother is a lizard. All kinds of phrases that she's trying to figure out what this Klingon is saying. Meanwhile, the rest of the crew is trapped on the Klingon ship, which is sinking. So it's a great episode. And if you're a Klingon fan like I am, uh, do yourself a favor and check out Enterprise Sleeping Dogs. It's a really good episode. So that wraps up our birthdays, guys. Can you believe it? Wow. It's, we've had some good ones, absolutely. And uh, it's time to talk about Star Trek Picard, believe it or not. Our phone lines are open. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. If you'd like to give us a call right now, we can get you on the air. We'd love to hear what you guys think about Star Trek Picard Disengage. Just to set the mood, though, and get you guys in the right place, got a little, 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 little clip to play. Who is it out there? I don't know. George us and the Boogeyman. The edge of space. No cavalry in sight. I have to keep digging. I'm with Starfleet Intelligence, but they are blind to something big. Battle station. You left the second Jean-Luc called and put half a galaxy between us. Are you pleased to be yourself? Forcing this.
are. All right, guys, there you have it. Uh, wrong clip. I'm sorry, but I'm old and senile, and I forget a lot. So there you have it. That was, that was, that was supposed to be the trailer for the episode we're about to talk about. I'm sorry. I apologize. So anyways, so every week on our Facebook page, guys, I ask you, our Facebook fans, to score this week's episode on a scale of 1 to 10. I asked you guys to score disengage on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. And Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about last week's episode? Uh, top fan Dazaman said, well, with the hidden surprises it had, obviously no spoilers again, it's a 10. The episodes are over far too quick for my liking. And again, the music, I mean, wow, we all knew that one main theme. Just Wow. Benjamin Lee Whitney says 10. It was nice to see a certain someone from the Metallus verse play a certain someone in Rafi's plot. Uh, Demeter Panaov said a 9. That explanation of the enemy's weapon system was just OP. It could probably take out a board cube single-handedly. Yeah, did seem a little over, overboard there. Uh, we'll have to see how that shakes out. Andrew Ellis gave it a 10 with an exclamation point. Shaw has come to life figured that Jack was Picard's son, but honestly did not see Worf as, as the handler. But it all makes sense. I'm really stoked for the rest of the show. Laura Gary said 10 plus. Most definitely wish they would give us more than three seasons, but I'm all right with it because just wow. Philip Heiss said, I think eight. Rafi's segment, not that great until Worf came in. Mm-hmm. Top fan Jerry Konecki said solid nine. Thankfully, they made Captain Shaw more than a one-dimensional character to hate. And our new big baddie is delightful. Caitlin Salazar said, I'd give it about an eight. It's really good, but I feel like Terry Metalis is borrowing a lot from Wrath of Khan. Kirk realizing he had a son with Dr. Marcus, Khan being a vengeful foe, etc. Teresa Bito-Suavola said a 10. I'm enjoying the show for what it is. I couldn't wait for it to be on, and I'm thrilled the TNG cast is together again. Just sitting back in anticipation for the next episode every week. Top fan Julie Goodwin said a 10 for me. Loving Jack Crusher. The episode flew by. Always a good sign. Loved Worf in kill mode. Good performances all around. The moment of unspoken communication between Beverly and Picard was excellent. And Kelly June Kritz said a 10. Awesome new characters. Love the storyline building off our old favorites. That Ferengi gangster was friggin' terrifying. And how many ships like the Shrike are there out there? Time to hold the whipped cream and sprinkles, Starfleet. <laughs> so that gives us a combined fan score for this episode, guys, of uh, 9.5, which is pretty solid. Nice. It is pretty solid. It is. So, uh, David, you want to jump in and get us started? No, you don't. No, he doesn't. Jim's missed. Oh, come on, Jim. Where's the training? What's Cadet training? Cadet training. Cadet training. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Because we got to get. We got we got quite a few Easter eggs this episode. Up the long ladder 
Season 2, Episode 18. We get the referencing to the USS Minnesota in this episode. And there's reference to that's a ship that uh, the Crushers are on. And that episode actually dealt with cloning. Is that a foresight in this? Star Trek 2, Star Trek 3. Shuttle used by Bricard and Riker was a Savic, the previous captain of the USS Titan, which I know we recognize that character, Savic. The Last Outpost, Season 1, Episode 5. Our first Ferengi. Interesting note that those Ferengi in that episode wore very similar, very similar jackets. But Snee is wearing. Those Ferengi also had one of the Ferengi, on, at least one of the Ferengi on there, had tattoos, which we did not see later. Sneed had tattoos also. And I got a Star Trek motion picture reference. I'm going to put this one to Jim. Jim, what's my tie-in to Star Trek the motion picture? Well, if, if, if I was picking, I would say the Deltons. Nope. Oh, you mean I got a different one? No. Worf's entry theme song motion picture. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. The I was thinking we of... hear Worf walking. The song we hear Worf walking to is the opening song for the Klingons in the motion picture. I know one of your favorite songs. One of I was going to play it. Yeah, it was good. Jerry Goldsmith. Hit a home run with that one, for sure. And Charles, yeah, I'll, throw, I'll throw another hat into the ring here for cadet training because basically, if you watch the seventh season episode of uh, Bloodlines from Next Generation, in that episode, that's the one where Picard uh, supposedly finds out he's got a son that he didn't know about that then is being threatened by Damon Bach, the Ferengi. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah very similar that sounds familiar somehow <laughs> exactly very similar <laughs> extremely okay. similar now now we can turn David hello <laughs> um <laughs> huh oh well uh, I was going to say that um this whole idea that Jack Crusher being a um, con man and has the whole plot as being him being hunted down and everything. Just a thought. And I know it's already been clarified by Crusher and Picard that, yes, the son of Jack Crusher is Picard. However, what if that silent stare that they were looking at each other was for something else and not the mention of the son? Maybe. I don't know. There's just something about that scene just made me wonder, like, okay, so if he's really is a con man, what if he isn't actually who he said he is? And I don't know. I know that I Picard he's actually... A, well, I know, he's, he's not a con yeah. man, though, right? I mean, he's... Aren't him... I'm reading the first couple episodes as him and Beverly actually are on a medical frigate and actually are delivering medical supplies to people. And if they happen to throw some guns in there, too, to help the people out, well, that's what they'll do. But is he really a con man, do you think? Well, I mean, Captain Shaw mentioned, like, you know, meet 
Gazzaroli named, and apparently he labeled him as a con man. Well, he's he was labeled as a criminal because he's yeah. done a bunch of stuff that's technically illegal that is actually probably super moral. Captain Shaw, though, literally says you're dealing with a con man. So technically, I know that Picard at the very end said that he's my son. I don't know. It's just something about that scene. It just made me wonder, like, what if he just said that only to save his life or something because he didn't want to just throw him to the pirates like he originally wasn't going to do. So I don't know. I don't know. This whole con situation kind of like flew out the door with that story of him not being Picard's son, or maybe he could actually be the theory of what we talked last week. What if he's a clone, you know, or something? I don't know. Anywho, um, that whole scene was interesting. Uh, I did like the the whole wharf scene, even though, yes, I kind of saw it coming from, like, last week episode, because if you saw the way that the intelligent... Uh, in, uh, the the uh, the wording that he was using to talk to Rafi, uh, it just sounded like Worf a lot, and especially when he said a warrior. So to me, I saw Worf coming, and I wasn't surprised it was Worf at all. But you know, I think what I'm going to be mostly surprised is when Lore comes onto the scene. How are they going to introduce that? That's going to be interesting to find out, especially with Moriarty. And uh, yeah, so let's see what else. Um. I can't wait for this week's episode because I haven't seen it yet, but um, apparently it's called 17 Seconds. So, uh, this this current episode, though, uh, uh, last week, I mean, it's, it's, uh, a lot has happened. It's, I'm trying to pe- pe- uh, put pieces together as I try to remember a lot of it, but I, I liked it. Uh, this was a really fun episode. I think it was probably better than the first one by far. And I gave 10 last one, so I'm definitely going to be giving 10 to this one as well. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I can't wait to find out more, and I really can't wait for the other characters to come on scene. So, yeah, that's my two cents on it. Well, you know, David, I got to say that, uh, yeah, you and I had talked about this uh in chat, yeah, and you knew I was going to like this one, didn't you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> This was no secret. Yeah, uh, when Worf shows up with uh, with the Klingon a battle song for the motion picture, I was like, "Yeah, baby!" Mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah, that was it for me." I was I was sold. I that was it. End of story. And uh, you know when he beheads the Klingon, or not the Klingon, the Ferengi, he's like <laughs> off with his head, shoom, and that was it done and he saves Rafi loved it I thought the music was great I really liked how uh, Warp what's the word I'm looking for the older Warp seems like he's more of a badass than the younger Warp was to me he just he seems mm. a lot different now that maybe maybe when Klingons get older they age with wisdom and I don't know but um, he was a badass that's all I got to say, and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I did like the Ferengi. I thought it was cool. And did you pay attention to the stuff the Ferengi had in his collection? Other yeah. than the Romulan head. Um, there was a baseball in his collection. Did anyone notice it? I don't yep. think it was the no. same baseball, though, as Captain Sisko, if that's what you're thinking. I, I don't know. I mean, baseball isn't really popular uh, in the future. 
really. Um, they play it on Asbestos 3, we know that. But <laughs> I just thought it was the fact that they put a baseball there. I was like, that's yeah. a strange thing for, for Ringy to have. And but was he Captain Hooker? When, when he popped open the drink and it popped, and he put it on the table for Rafi. Was that root beer? I don't know. They didn't. I couldn't read the label. I tried uh, to pause it and read the label, but I couldn't. I don't know. I was thinking to myself, if that's root beer, I'm just going to die laughing because root beer was what Quark gave to uh, Garrick when uh, the cart when the yeah. uh, the mini was coming through the wormhole. Yeah, um, disgusting. So. I don't know if it was root beer or not, but I thought maybe it might have been because it was a baseball there. But I just loved that whole scene. And Rafi having to choose between her son and completing the mission. <laughs> and uh, that was a great moment and a hard one for her to make. And, of course, she made it and chose the mission. So that was awesome, too. But, yeah, Worf swinging around the curlith was just awesome, awesome, awesome. Back to what you said, the scene between Crusher and Picard was absolutely perfect. No words needed to be said there because they they know each other so intimately and so well that that you know it was almost like a Betazoid thing going on there. <laughs> they didn't really need to say anything uh, to know what the truth was. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Shaw. We talked about him last week, and. Uh, you know, how everybody hated him because he was such a dink. And here we are this week, and he's less of a dink. I think he's coming around. He was ready to give the guy away to the to the bounty hunter. He was ready to say, take him, we don't want him, we're leaving, he's all yours. And Picard and Riker are trying to talk him out of it, and he's like, nope, it's my ship, we're doing it my way. But, like David said, he changed his tune completely when he found out it was Picard's son. And then... Then he changed his tune to become the captain that everybody thought he should have been from the start. I thought that was great because hopefully we're seeing the turning of the guy. Um, you know, I hope. So we'll have to wait and see how that actually plays out. But he actually did the right thing at the end. That was cool. Vatic, let's talk about her a little bit. Um, I went back and rewatched it. And I wanted to pause it to make sure I got everything right, but the Fenris Rangers specifically called her the Marked Lady. He says, he says, contact the Marked Lady and tell her we found him. And the Marked Lady being Vatic, and she's got the scars on, on each side of her face. Uh, I don't know who marked her or why she's the Marked Lady, but she is the Marked Lady. And I don't know what the relevance to the story is of that yet. <laughs> but... I think that she's working for somebody else that we've yet to see. I don't think Vatic is the big baddie. Um, I think there's someone else or something else going on that we aren't aware of yet. And I think Vatic is just like the noise to, to attract us while we're looking at the left hand and the right hand is doing something else. I think somebody's pulling the strings of Vatic and we don't know who that is. Maybe it's Moriarty, maybe it's Lore, I don't know. But um, I think she's being told, because she has a lot of information about Starfleet, you know, and so someone's feeding her information. I think she's working for someone else. We just don't know who yet. Um, I'm on Seven of Nine. I, I love what they've done with Seven. I like how she challenges 
the captain. And even when the captain says, you know, you're relieved of, of duty, she still does her own thing anyways and goes down to the transporter room and captures Picard or uh, Jack. So I really like what how Seven's adjusting to this whole, you know, first officer type of deal. And, uh, you know, when, when um, Shaw relieves her of command, she looks at Picard before she walks out the door. And so I really like what they've done with Seven. Um, I also like Jordy's daughter. I, I hope that we see more of her in, the, in future episodes because I really like, I really, there's something about her. I, I like the way they've written her so far. Even though she hasn't done a lot, I, I like the way they, they are approaching her character. Um, 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 the Riker-Picard thing I think is really cool. They have a dynamic going on there that I like. Uh, we haven't seen them together in decades, so I think it's great to see them actually in one place at one time. Um, and I, dee, 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 I really liked the, the, the Shrike. The weapons that it has are like, you know, these are not Starfleet-issued weapons. These we- some of these weapons are outlawed in the Federation. Uh, again, someone's pumping her money and technology. So, But I like the design of that ship. I think it's awesome. And I'm really curious to find out who the clicking aliens are that are her henchmen. So, yeah, I, I liked it all the way around, particularly the music. I love the music and the, the, the score that so far has been phenomenal, particularly the Klingon theme. And one more thing I want to touch on before I turn it over to Paul is this. I, I, I prefer the method of storytelling that Picard is, uh, is taking. And to me, Picard so far seems like a giant movie that's been cut up into pieces where we're, we're seeing a part here and a part here and a part here and a part here. Whereas Discovery is more of a serialized story, which is, plays out a little different than we're seeing in Picard. And Strange New Worlds is more episodic. I like what, the way they've written Picard. To me, it seems like a giant story that's just broken up into pieces. I really like that. So overall, I'm with David. I got to give this one a 10 simply for Worf beheading the Ferengi and that awesome Klingon theme song. So I'm going with a 10. What about you, Paul? You can jump in next. All right, brother. Well, I think your your enthusiasm is infectious, and you're very generous with your, your thoughts on, on the show. Um, I want to go over to uh, when Eric was reading the, the fan scores uh, on here. I want to give a shout-out to Caitlin Salazar, because I thought her comments were pretty pretty much what I have been thinking a lot. Um there is a lot of borrowing from Wrath of Khan going on here. Um, the whole uh, dynamic of, hey, guess what? You actually have a son you didn't know about. <laughs> the whole Carol Marcus syndrome, right? And down to the way this week's episode ended. When I say this week, I mean the one we're talking about last week, um, where they're, the chase is off hiding in the nebula, right? You've got to go find us because you can't see us because we're going into a nebula, and so it'll be hard to find us. Cat and mouse and all that. I mean, it's just, it's kind of the same dynamic. So I'm I'm hoping we're getting a little bit more original story as we go. I'm I'm curious to see where it goes. I'm super happy about the fact that Gates McFadden is conscious again and can actually 
deliver dialogue because I think that having her be hobbled in the pod was was no good. Um, um, still feel like we're getting the the story pieced out to us. Um, I, I I wish I was a little more satisfied by what I'm seeing so far, other than uh, the performances of the next gen team, right? Um, for me, the MVP is is Jerry Ryan. I feel like uh, her seven of nine is the most convincing character I'm seeing. Um, she is basically, you know, kind of leading Shaw around by the nose, <laughs> telling him how to behave. Right? It's just like he he seems like he's a terrible captain without her running alongside of him and you know motivating him. It's just like you know, hey, dude, you can be the guy who got legends killed, or you can be the hero who saved them. You know, look at it pragmatically. You know, that's the kind of coach you need to have. So I think uh, she's just absolutely sensational. And just every moment she's on camera is convincing and believable. Um, it's great to see her in a more uh, authoritative role because she doesn't just abuse the authority. She she leads like a leader should lead, right? And uh, really great. So I'm enjoying seeing her. Contrarily, I'm not enjoying the Raffi story Okay, that is killing me. Um, it, it is great that Worf showed up. Hopefully now that Worf is there, there'll be some dialogue there instead of Rafi with the freaking endless exposition. I mean, she had like paragraphs of talking about nonsense, you know, oh, uh, portal tech and this, and she's, you know, all of a sudden she's like an 80s, you know, drug movie, and she's got a son that we didn't know about and all this it feels like they're just throwing spaghetti at the wall with this character, right? And she's just, you know, delivering the dialogue very earnestly and intensely. And I'm like, okay, but it's, I feel like she's kind of acting in a vacuum, right? So hopefully she's going to have some good dialogue scenes with a cooler, more samurai-like wharf that Jim intimated, right? He's older. He's more badass. He's got a job working for Starfleet Intelligence now, presumably, unless that's, you know... Smoke and mirrors, we'll find out. But hopefully there'll be more of a, a character dynamic now that she has somebody to play off of. But that whole, you know, underworld plot thing is really rough sledding. It, it's not so great. And uh, I hate to be the guy who's picking things apart, but it's just um, how many years, friends, help me out because I was told there'd be no math. How long has it been? Uh, the end of next gen, not in our world, but in their world, uh, when, you know, the uh, all good things timeline versus now. It's been like 20, 20 25 years? years. It's, 20, it's like 20, 20 or 25, 25 years. years. Yeah. 25, okay. That's about right to me. <laughs> great. Great. Because I got to tell you, um, Beliers, who plays Jack Rusher, five-year-old man, and he looks 35 years old, okay? So... I, it just doesn't make sense to me, right? It's just he's – and Riker's running around telling him kid every five minutes. Hey, kid, hand me that uh, hand me that regulator. <laughs> it's preposterous. It's like, dude, this, this should be somebody who's like, like an 18- or 20-year-old actor, not a 35-year-old guy, right? It just, it just doesn't – how do you call this guy kid? I don't reconcile the, the age of the actor with – the character I'm getting, it doesn't make any sense. Where has he been, and how did he get to be this way, and why does it seem he's older than he is? So I, there's a lot of explaining, unfortunately, that I need. It looks like I'm losing my audio, so hold on a minute. 
I'm hoping you guys can still hear me. Yeah, we can still hear you. Okay, great. I got a my earbuds ran out of juice because I couldn't connect. Um, yeah, so a lot of explaining still necessary for this character here, and uh, he's not very likable, um, and it just feels so familiar with like you, what you were talking about the Picard son from Next Gen, Eric, and you know uh, uh, from Ratha Khan. This whole you know secret son, you know, didn't have a father and all this thing. It's just like, it, it, uh, write it a little better, please, so that he's less one-dimensional. I, I'm, I'm not sold on him yet at all, and I'm super not sold on that. Um, because other than, you know, laughing whimsically and, and lighting a, a weird cigar, I got no character here. I don't find anything here to relate to, to see that there's a character other than her just kind of vamping around. Um, I don't get any sense of a character that's written, that she's got knowledge about people. Um, she seems to have know who they are more than she should and have access to something like uh, Jim was saying, maybe someone's feeding her information, something like that. I mean, that would be intriguing. But uh, I'm not sold on her. You know, Miranda Plummer is a great actress, but I'm not told on what's going on with this character. She just looks really not so great. And, uh, you know, the whole smirking kind of attitude, uh, the most interesting thing she said, and I'm surprised no one's mentioned this yet, is she seemed to have some insight about, she said something about the psychological profile of Captain Shaw, right? Kind of wondering, hey, you're still holding it together, even with your psychological profile? Like, what does she know about him and what's wrong with him? What happened well, she knows, she knows a lot about several different people. She's mentioned very yeah. personal things about a few of them. Yeah. So, so, but the whole thing with his psychological profile, that's, that's, that made me get, because that kind of shows, okay, this is a guy who might not do well under pressure or is hiding something or has a, a flaw that is yet to be revealed. So I just found that really interesting. I want to find out what that is um, because I kind of want to like the guy, all right, especially when he's starting to, you know, listen to seven more and not be such a, you know, a douche. All right. So maybe he'll actually become a likable character. And uh, when, you know, push comes to shove, he'll, he'll get on board with everything. Um, love Frakes. I love what Frakes is doing. I think him and Jerry Ryan are just, uh, just really terrific and holding it together for me. So I know I sound like I'm not thrilled yet, but it's early. Right. Um, I, I just need a little bit better, storytelling a little bit more crisper character work um a sense that you know that i want to know where we're going i think jim is spot on though about Vatic being the uh, uh the lesser uh you know uh cyrano de bergerac villain and the the hidden villain will be revealed later because that's kind of been the dynamic on discovery for the last two or three seasons right that's kind of how they write over there at Paramount Plus is, you know, oh, we'll think this is it, but then, oh, wait, there's a later top-tier villain we'll reveal later. All right, so I think that's definitely where we're going. Um, There's still a lot of things to be revealed. You know, we have to find out what's going on with Lore, what's going on with Moriarty. We still haven't even met um, uh, Troy or uh, Jordy in this. So there's a whole lot of reintroductions still to be done. Hopefully, as that happens and we get more of a sense of established family uh, being firmed up between all these characters who are being reunited, hopefully that will coincide with a, a, a more unified story being told that we actually uh, get invested in. Um, but I'm, I can't hang my hat on 
it all just being about Jack Crusher because I just that's that's an old story and I, we've been there. I need something new. So um, that's my assessment. I'm gonna I'm like Jim was super generous, gave it a ten. I'm gonna be generous too. I'm gonna give it a seven. But I can't go well, there, in that. <laughs> there is one thing I I didn't mention, which kind of you kind of touched on. Someone's feeding her information. I I noticed an episode. I think we talked about this last week. Um, I think there's a spy because in episode one we see a dude sitting at the bar listening to Riker and Picard make their plans, and then we also see that same guy as a Starfleet officer on board the Titan when they arrive. So I think, I think that guy, and we don't know his name. We know nothing about him at all. Other than Picard stops and adjusts his communicator. That's all we know about him. But, but the fact that he was in two different scenes in completely two different places added to the fact that Baddock has all this inside information. um, I think that that, that, that dude, whatever that dude's name is, I think he is, it might because remember Crusher said trust no one. Um, yeah, exactly. So I think, and there's all these references think, to Section 31, you know, because it's yeah. like you got Worf presumably, presumably. I mean, Worf could be, you know, kind of trying to really find out what's going on in Section 31 and pretending he's her handler. And and we don't really know. I mean, there's a lot of layers on layers and onions, things like that. But but clearly, it, it seems they're setting this up to believe that there's something, you know, about you know, conspiracies and Section 31 and, and, you know, involved, just because, like you say, man, trust no one. That's the mantra from the get-go for the sealed season. Yep. So I, I, I got to I gotta watch tonight's episode, but I think Me that too. dude, I think that dude is, is up to no good. It's too much of a coincidence that he, we saw him twice in two different places. That's, but. All right, well, who wants to jump in next, Eric or Charles? I'll go ahead, Charles. Eric. I'll jump. I'll pull up I'll the rear. and jump in. Okay. Uh, Got to go down the line on this one. Okay, that Paul's a little down on her. I really think she's, makes a, she's making a good villain. Making a point that she really, you don't know what to expect from her. And today in chat is somebody saying, you know, what, what, what is this ship? And I said, I think this is a ship that is similar to a Packlet ship. I want things that make me go. Well, she wants stuff that makes her go. She wants power. They start listing down the line the equipment in there, and I had trouble keeping up with that list. But gave me the idea that, yeah, she's got a ton of weapons on this thing. I'm thinking more than just a pirate. I'm thinking she's got some power for destruction. When you can create a tractor beam, and converting to Pulsar, which I gather people on Star Trek, the Starfleet, aren't using. They didn't expect her to sit there and throw that shuttle right back at them, or that ship right back at them. 
she's got a scholarship. And, yeah, we've seen the deal of going into a nebula before and trying in there. I kind of look forward to see what they plan to do going into that nebula. But he knows things. He knows exactly who people are. So she's getting information. But I think it's interesting. And love that spy has connections into confidentiation. Not that any people should know about a captain's psychological profile, which kind of gave me the idea of, okay, this, this, this captain's a little more deeper than we think he is. I've seen a lot of memes about Shaw saying no to things. Yeah, I think there's a little more to this character than we get. Paul mentioned about not knowing about Raffi's uh, son. Uh, that was touched on a little bit in season one, but that was also touched even more in the books. It was a lot more of a backstory on those. And we know from the books and such that she's got a she spent her career on Starfleet and didn't give time for her family. And that's why her husband left her and her son doesn't want anything to do with her because she's too much Starfleet and puts her entire career on it, just like just like Picard has. Ah, that Ferengi. Boy, was that interesting Ferengi. And looking at a teaser for Last Outpost, boy, it kind of reminded me of those Ferengi. More of what the Ferengi were supposed to be like at the beginning of Next Generation, which they kind of just, yeah, that wasn't quite the enemy we thought was going to be. And they kind of didn't do a lot with the Ferengi for the most part until we got to DS9. But uh, something we normally, I think, didn't see on a Ferengi, a little bit of a five, five o'clock shadow on him. Had a little bit of hair to him. Definitely, I think, was an interesting Klingon, or interesting uh, Ferengi. We're not going to learn a whole lot about him, but who knows where this is going to lead with them. And with this incident, I love the fact that this Ferengi is like, well, I know you don't work for him, because he's right here. Oh, you took his head off. Which I think was fair play of Worf taking his head. And the fact that these kind of down, kind of hard dealings. And he is a middleman. Something else is going on. We're kind of focused on what's going on with Picard and his son. But there is something else going on in the B story. There's something bigger going on in the B story. 
And I think with war showing up, we're going to get a little more detail of really what is going on. But somebody's trying to attack the Federation, and we really want to know why. Why were they taking this? I forgot what type of building it was, but the cap, the Red Lady, and wiping out that building completely. Ah. Uh, I think Jack Crusher is a character that we kind of want to dislike. I'm not sure they're trying to boost him up being a favorite, a, a popular character. I think they're trying to put him in a very negative light because he's doing all this stuff and he uses, uses mom as a shield, but we don't know real any detail about him. So I think we got to wait till this character's hashed out a bit. But as we as I talked about in uh, the the ship name, the Mariposa. Their Mariposa was a group uh two groups of colonists. They're rescuing from the planet. If you remember right, they had the real technological supreme side and then you had the farmers the down home moonshiners and the only way they could solve their situation was to go through and doing cloning to try and rebuild their society well that's where the ship is that's where the ship's named after so it's a medical ship, but how, okay, so is that a clue to what's going on? I have everyone like the direction they're going with this series, and they're kind of leave us a little bit in the dark to what's going on. We finally find out who Raffi's handler is. Yes, Raffi's had a rough time in her career. Yes, she is a former recovering druggie. And so, yes, she's had to deal with a lot of the stuff, and she's got some resistance in the fighting. And I'm not sure exactly what drug he gave her, but I'm curious the after effects from that. So, with this episode, I think I'll go a little higher than last week. Um, let's go to the 9.4. And so, Eric, why don't you take up the caboose? Yeah, uh, you guys have said so many good things. I think there's still a little bit left to talk about. I will just agree that I think Sneed the Frangi is amazing. He's uh, one of my favorite Frangi that I've seen in a long time. To me, you, this is the real – this is how most real Ferengi would be. Uh, you talked about last outpost Ferengi. To me, they were kind of like uh, timid, almost like animals. You know, they didn't really – they didn't seem like people who were out for profit and who would be good at getting it. Then you get people like Quark, who are really good at getting profit, but he's also got a heart. 
right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is why we all love Quark. To me, Sneed is the Ferengi that a real Ferengi would be. He is out for profit, and he will walk over anybody he needs to to yep. get it. So I really Mercenary. like Mercenary. And I really liked him as a yeah. character, and it's too bad that he's dead. Because uh, I, I would have liked to have seen him come back, honestly. Um, I, you know... I understand the action scenes are cool. Uh, Worf chopping off people's heads is cool. My favorite scene was them throwing the Elios at the Titan. Like, that to me... And by the way, Charles, the 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 boat that Jack Crusher was on in the past when they kind of flash back and they show the Fenris Rangers coming onto his ship, that was the Mariposa. Um, the actual Beverly Crusher ship is called the Elios, the Elios 12. Okay. So they when they threw the Elios at... <laughs> The Titan, I thought that was really yeah. cool. Because um, you're like, holy crap. Uh, Shaw, I loved him in last week's episode uh, because I hated him so much. And I still love him because I'm seeing character development there. And character development interests me. Um, so I'm definitely on board with what's going on with Shaw right now. I will say that I almost have exactly the flip of Paul's opinion on Rafi and Seven to tell you the truth. Um, I'm into the Rafi story. I'm into the fact that there's an underground. I'm into the fact that she has returned to her intelligence roots because you'll remember she was the one that like during the whole Romulan shenanigans was like the intelligence person, right? She, she knew what was going on. She was always searching. People said that she was a conspiracy theorist because she always was coming up with something. And unfortunately that was proven right frequently because Yep. As addicts will tell you, you never stop being an addict. Even after you are clean, it's still there. It still burns inside you. And I love that they are showing a person who has a consistent weakness trying to make her way in the world and trying to do the best thing she knows how to do all the time. So I am 100% on board with the Rafi story at the moment. Seven, on the other hand, okay – I do love the way Seven conducts herself on the ship, no question. But why the hell is she on the ship? Uh, you know, I know that Janeway asked her, but clearly she doesn't want to be there. Clearly she is an independent person who has absolutely no need for Starfleet. I mean, she was in the Fenris Rangers. Why is she even taking the abuse from Shaw on the Titan? I don't understand it. <laughs> and that part of, like, the whole story makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't even know why she's on the ship and why she's putting up with it. But that being said, I do like how she conducts herself and how she sort of works again. I, I have a sense that she's on the ship because they needed her to be on the ship for the plot to work, right? <laughs> like there's not another good reason for her to really be there. And they had to sort of do some suspension of disbelief of like, yeah, we know that she hates Starfleet and we know that she was a Fenris Ranger, but Janeway asked her, so it's going to be okay. Um, so yeah, that's my Rossi thing. Uh, that's that. That's Sneed. Uh, I will close out by saying there, Jim is so good at catching all the little uh, bits here and there, all the little Easter eggs. I love that. I didn't notice some of the ones that you were talking about, but I did notice the Orion and Medical, which immediately made me think of Tendi, which was kind of fun. <laughs> uh, was that in this week's episode? It sure was. There's an Orion in well, the Medical Bay. Yeah. Yeah, wow. and that was the main see, doctor, was it? The one who was treating no. Beverly? Was that no, no? Okay. It was uh, it was like a side doctor. There was like the main uh, doctor, and then there was a person kind of off to the side who was an Orion. Wow, totally missed that man. Sorry. Uh, and in terms of Vatic, I so here's what I'll say about Vatic. I completely agree with Paul, and I completely agree 
with Jim. Here's why. This season, like all the other seasons, is written to be a 10-hour movie. We don't know anything about Vatic because that's going to come up later. And what they're hoping is that we will stick – I think what they assume is that if you start watching this series, you are going to finish watching this series. And they don't have – there's like no danger of people just saying, you know what, this sucks. I'm not going to watch anymore. So they can do whatever they want with Vatic, and they will develop her as slowly as they need to and just kind of – you know, make her the, the taunting, like, pokey person until she actually has something something real to do. Um, but I think that she eventually will get a little bit more information about her, and I totally agree with Jim. I don't think she's the main bad guy. I think there's more more to be unveiled there. So, yeah, lots and lots of borrowing from old Star Trek, um, including Rathacon, but it's being very well done. The special effects, of course, are amazing. The writing's okay. Like, there's there are parts of it that I'm digging on, and there are parts of it where I'm just like, whoa, uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> so I'll be a little more generous than Paul, but not quite as generous as the rest, and I will give this episode an eight. Mm-hmm. So that well, was the story, and I'm sticking to total? it. We have a total of eight. Point eight eight. Whoa, that's the lucky number. Infinity and beyond. (laughs) One one full, one full point below our fan. About that. I mean, I kind of if if our uh, uh, scores are kind of aligned with the fans, that seems pretty legit, right? Well, they're points for the fans, and I and I think that that is like in my sense has always been that people really like fan service and they really like nostalgia. And I think the numbers always yeah. kick up a little bit when you have that involved. And the fact that this entire season is based on nostalgia, <laughs> I think you could like take a point out of every single show's rating and that would probably be more accurate. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I feel like people are inflating their opinions just a little bit because they're like, Oh, it's Picard. It's Riker. It's everybody I love. Worf came back. I'm going to give it a 10. I mean, right. That's, 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 it's like, what's that base on? What's the rubric? Oh, I just like Worf. Because Worf is so go. I mean, perfectly valid reason, but um, you know, I have different reasons for liking what I like. So, <laughs> exactly, well, exactly. So interesting, man. Well said, Eric. I gotta say. I well, mean, just, uh, there's two things I want to I wanted to point out. Uh, first of all, uh, what is the deal with the lighting? Have you guys noticed yeah. that everything is just too dark? I don't. I mean, the whole series has been that way. Dark. I mean, dark is in. No. Turn off light somewhere, please. You know, they made them switch to LED bulbs. They don't have as yeah. good reading lights as the as incandescent it's, bulbs. I don't like it. I so they've been talking TV, about. I thought there was something wrong with the TV. I kept trying to turn the contrast no. up because it was too dark. So they've been talking a lot about why they can do that now. Like you used to not be able to technologically do that for a television show because the cameras just weren't good enough to pick up things that were in super low light. Now we actually have the technology for that to happen. So now people are lighting things more darkly in general than they used to. So I feel like, yes, I think it's too dark and it's almost like the entire um, uh, scale has shifted. (laughs) <laughs> you know, because now you can do things you used to not be able to do. Yeah. Yeah, just just seems, yeah you saw that happen with the, uh, the like the last couple episodes of Game of Thrones that kind of bit him in the keister, right? Because it was so underlit, mm-hmm. right? And it was so dark that most people didn't have like, you know, super high def TVs or even anything approaching that yet. 
Mm-hmm. And so people were complaining because it's like now you're you're streaming this stuff, right? It's not like everyone's watching it on like you know cable. And it was just like right. people like they couldn't see anything. It was like yeah. so dark and murky. It was just like I, I can't even see anything. And if you're lucky enough to see it on a physical disc, it looks a thousand times better, right? But it's just like, but it's not made for physical disc. It's made for distribution for millions of people to watch you know, one week at a time. And so it's, it's a little, I agree. It's, it's not too, it, hopefully they're not going to have all of the environments be that. I mean, we're not going to be on the deck of two ships, the whole freaking show. I will get them out and they'll be doing something and going to new environments. I hope. Right. But, uh, well, I'm interested. Don't Don't, so is there a, is there a thing, Charles, you were in the Navy. Maybe you know this. Is there a thing where like, if, if like, does lighting need to be low on ships for people to be able to see like screens and stuff better? Like on boats, I'm talking like these days. Uh, Would that be a yeah. kind of a legacy item? Yeah. Or? Actually, on uh, on the bridge, your lighting is a little darker, so that they were able to see the screens much better. So in huh. fact, the the JJ verse kind of version of the Enterprise, where everything is like overlit. That is actually kind of impractical in terms of a ship where you have to read a bunch of screens and might be getting all kinds of nasty reflections off of the lights that are all over the place and that sort of thing, right? Plus all the lens flares. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that maybe it's more accurate to have these dark bridges, even though we all kind of look at it and go, "Oh man, I missed the red carpet and wood," you know? Yeah. I I just. I just wanted to point that I, I just felt it was very dark, and uh, I also you guys may have noticed that we we didn't have our convention calendar and we didn't have any Star Trek news, and that's because when we talk about an episode that's a full hour, because we've been talking about Prodigy and uh, Lower Decks, which are half hour shows, um, we have more time. But when we have a full one hour show, we just don't have a lot of time, so. We probably won't be doing convention calendar and Star Trek news um, in the foreseeable future, but there is a little bit of Star Trek you know, news, Jim, Eric. Um, yeah. Isn't there? Oh, I bet I know what you're going to say. A yeah, little bit Eric, of there, is, a, there yeah. is some breaking Star Trek news, which which yep. kind of floored me when I read it. I know. Uh, they have now officially announced that uh, next season, Discovery Season 5 to be released early 2024 will be the last season of Discovery. So they are going yep. out on five seasons. Hmm. Yep. So I think the, not... the fact that it's their last season is less surprising than the fact that they're holding it off till 24. Yeah, I mean, we're not e- we're in March of 23, you guys. So that means we have we have already been waiting and also we then have at least another 9 or 10 months to wait. So ugh. Ugh. Oh yeah, you said 2024. I was like, yeah, that's happening this year. No, I'm dude, like, that's a like minute. a year from now. Uh, <laughs> so nah, you know, they say they say please be patient and whatnot, but man, like how you how can you possibly expect to build up any um, support for anything or any momentum on a show <laughs> when you're giving us 10 to 13 episodes every couple of years? Like that just doesn't. I don't know. It just doesn't... It's weird. It's a weird release schedule to me. Oh, I have a theory about that. 
the reason they're probably doing that is because they're going to be announcing a new show that they're going to be coming out with, probably a Seven of Nine series or Wolf or something in between. So, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's that's going to leave that is going to leave a gap. That's going to leave a 10-week gap in their Star Trek every Thursday schedule. Yeah. Oh, actually, it doesn't, it doesn't leave a gap because I can fit – well, actually, yes, it would because I'd put a, I, put this, I could put Discovery in in November. So true. Uh, it's not 10. One, two, three, four, five, six. We might be able to get a six-week gap, which means we might get them uh, a breather between series. That's still about a good two months. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, but on and a half. brighter not not to be all downers. I know the haters of Discovery are going to be going crazy tomorrow on the internet. <laughs> but yeah. you got to figure to, right. It's like if this. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So to sign some to, to make this a positive thing. Uh, Alex Kurtzman said that they would only have five concurrent shows running and that one show would have to end before another one began. Picard is ending. There's one empty slot. Now they've confirmed Discovery is ending. There's two empty slots. We've been hearing about Section 31 since 2019 when COVID hit. And then we've been hearing about this nameless show that was in production. Uh, that people were assuming was going to be Starfleet Academy with Tilly and her cadets, but we don't really know what this other nameless show is. So that's going to leave two open slots for new hmm. Star Trek shows to come out. So that's a good thing to come out of that. So who's to say they haven't been filming all of this before they've announced it, and they're going to be surprising us, say like Section 31 is already – in the works, or have been in the works, and now they're going to release it in secret, like, you know, surprising everybody with that, that two-week gap, <laughs> or a two-month gap. Nope. Nobody. I can't understand the thing you're saying. <laughs> You're on the uh, Shatter uh, channel. You are, you are breaking <laughs> up every in, other word. And out. <laughs> yeah. I was saying, I think we've also got the, the wall in Canada, which could be for That's a right. series. Hmm. That's right. They did we've build that VR wall. we got a fall in the The VR wall that they built in Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. They're not going to spend all that money on that wall and not use it. Well, they use so, it for strange new worlds. Yeah, I mean, that's no strange new worlds. Better own. Yeah. You know, okay. So, anyways, guys, I, I just wanted to squeeze that bit of Star Trek news in because I felt that was worthy. Next week, though, we're going to be talking about 17 seconds, which I'm going to go and watch right now. Um, the episode that dropped today. I got to go watch that because I want to find out if they answer some of these questions for us. So I'm going to go watch that right now. So I want to say thank you so much to Paul for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Paul. Thanks, fellas. Enjoyed the conversation as always. And thank you so much to Eric for hanging out with us and Trek talking. Thank you, Eric. You bet, guys. Thanks very much. Always enjoy it. 
And thank you so much to Paul as well, all from Portland, for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Paul. To, to David. Hey. To David. To David. <laughs> we also like David. David. Oh, oh, now are two of us. You're welcome. I'm glad to be part of this uh, funny con- podcast. <laughs> it, it is. It has grown, hasn't it? And thank you so much to our very own Charles out in the Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you very much. Always fun talking Trek. And I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I want to let you guys know that hailing frequencies are closed. Star Trek fans are the best fans, and please stay safe and be good to each other. Good night, everybody. Live long and prosper. Good night, all. Peace out. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.